Hey there, language lovers, Shannon Kennedy here, along with Benny Lewis for a new episode of the Language Hacking Podcast. We're here catching up with Steve Kaufman, well-known polyglot and YouTuber, as well as creator of Link, which is actually the main focus for this episode of the podcast. But before we get into this episode, I'd like to invite you to join us on Patreon, where you can find long form versions of our episodes, including this one. In our extended episode with Steve, we discuss the origin story behind Link, Steve's philosophies and practices in motivation and habits, Steve's three survival language resources, Steve's ideal day of language learning, advice to those experiencing the intermediate plateau, the importance of being active physically and comparisons between sports and languages, and feedback Benny and Shannon have received from language learners. You can get access to this and more at languagehacking.com slash Patreon. In this episode, Steve, Benny, and I talk about Link and the journey to creating one of the most popular language learning tools, how Steve's son Mark went from hockey player to key player at Link, how people read more than they may realize, expanding Link from a reading and listening app to a tool integrated with YouTube, Netflix, and other platforms, new features in Link, how Steve's own learning in Link has changed as new features are added, parallels between running a business and learning languages, how Steve's beliefs around the intensity of language learning have changed, why language learners need to be okay with uncertainty, and how Link has impacted the lives of people all over the world. So without any further ado, let's get into our chat with Steve. The links and resources mentioned in this episode can be found at languagehacking.com forward slash 111. Welcome to the Language Hacking Podcast from Fluent in Three Months. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Language Hacking Podcast. I'm your host, Benny Lewis. I'm joined, as always, by Shannon Kennedy. And today we have a guest who was worth bringing back for a second time. This is the one and only Steve Kaufman. You know him as the founder of Link and one of the biggest faces in the language learning community when it comes to encouraging other learners. He's huge on YouTube. You see see him everywhere and you will be very familiar with his tool Link that um, like uh, Steve, we've had about 100 episodes on the podcast and Link has come up time and again when people are listing their favorite resources. Glad to hear that. Very happy to hear that. Yeah. So that's it's an amazing thing because uh, especially nowadays in the internet, it's very easy to um, to become a blip on people's radars very briefly, but then to to be be a major resource for such a long time, that's kind of the direction I wanted to be talking today a bit more was about Link and, and why you think it has uh, um, kind of been such a driving force for as long as it has. So uh, let's, let's start with that. Okay, well, first of all, let me say that uh, we're all the one and only. Okay, every one of us is one and only. And when it comes to encouraging people to learn languages, uh, you are there ahead of me and uh, your enthusiasm, I think, has persuaded a lot of people and the work that Shannon is doing as well. I see her presence on the Internet. I think we're all 
we're all in love with learning languages. So it gives us a lot of satisfaction to be able to encourage other people to also learn languages and, and break down some of the psychological barriers that people have to learning languages. Uh, when it comes to link, uh, of course, you know, we've been at it for a long time and let's not uh, underestimate the length of time that we were in a deep, dark tunnel, wondering if we would ever surface. Uh, so I think it, it, it's, it's almost like language learning itself. You just have to stay with it. And uh, I think when people learn languages, they often feel they're not getting anywhere. And uh, you have to believe that if you keep on putting in the effort and if what you're doing is sincere and genuine, uh, you'll eventually be rewarded. And the same with la language learning. Just stay with it. Uh, at first, everything is, is foggy. And of course, we have our, our early victories when we're all of a sudden able to say something. And then we realize just how much further the journey is because there's just so many words to learn and so many things we continue not to understand. And so perseverance, I think, is the key uh, in, in both in link and any business activity, actually, perseverance, staying with it, believing in what you're doing and staying with it. And the same is true with, with language learning, really. So in Link's initial years, how did you expand on the linguist and how did it uh, how did you decide to rebrand it as Link? And what were the initial things that you really wanted the interface to have? Well, f first of all, the linguist is an English word. Uh, also, the word linguist in English means polyglot. Most English speakers don't know the word polyglot, but in every other language, it doesn't mean polyglot. So we had to change the word the linguist into something else. And I don't know where we got it from. Link, L-I-N-G is linguist. And then Q and link, you create links, you know, links between your neurons, links to the new language. I don't know where that came from, but that became the name. Now, insofar as how to, you know, and then what we wanted in it was, I mean, I go back to my original sort of, the way I learned languages, whether it was Chinese or Japanese or whatever, is listening and reading predominantly getting to a point where I've got so much of the language in me that I, I'm busting to use it. Uh, but then I'm ready. At least I understand what people are saying. And I had lots of books at home, German, Spanish, and every page had 15 or 20 words underlined. And I'd look them up in the dictionary and then I'd forget whatever I found in the dictionary. So that wasn't very satisfactory. So, so I had this image of what we needed the system to do. And, and then I think Mark has been very good at, you know, how, how do you convert that into something that's that's understandable to people, uh, enable them to access more content? So obviously there's what we have in our library. But one of the early decisions was anything that's available anywhere that you bring in, the functionality has to work. So it's not enough. I mean, you can go into if you have 10 items of content, you can go in and create all kinds of notes that that are specific to that item of content. But then it's not scalable because if that person goes and brings something in from wherever, a newspaper or YouTube, th then the functionality doesn't work. So the first obstacle was to make sure whatever the programmers said, we didn't care. You make it happen. We want our functionality to work on anything that is brought into the system. And I think that was a very key decision. Because where that has led us to now is that we have a browser extension that enables you to bring in YouTube videos. And if there's subtitles, that's a lesson. The text is there. You can mine that text for, you know, words and phrases. So, so that, and, and now, of course, our, our page, you know, co content is so important. And, and now it looks more like Netflix. So it's easier to find stuff. It's more attractive. All of that stuff is, is where we have gradually evolved from a system which initially was very clunky. I can remember 
saving words in Russian and it taking four or five, six seconds for each word to be saved. Well, that's not going to work. It has to be instant. So all of these things and they, oh, we can't, it's difficult and the system has to calculate stuff. Never mind, make it happen. It has to happen. And so that's kind of been the gradual evolution. It looks very simple. Oh, that's not so difficult. Anyone can do that, maybe. But in fact, for us, it's been difficult and it's been a long road. You know, and the same is true with the marketing. Like it takes, it's cumulative, lots and lots. And every time we've tried to buy ads, Google ads doesn't work. We cannot afford it. We don't get signups that match the cost of, of doing that. So it's it's just getting copy out there. It's doing what we're doing here, getting people aware. And you can't hit them over the head with your sales message. You have to give them some value so that they start to get keen and start to understand. And eventually they'll follow back some of them. And so that's that's kind of been the struggle on those two fronts, you know, improving the system and getting the message out. So you mentioned a name just a moment ago, Mark, who is your son. And I'm curious, how did he get involved in Link? Was it always like a like father, like son? You guys both love languages or he converted from hockey player to app developer, you know? There was nothing obvious there. Uh, Mark's background is much more technical than mine. He, he was a hockey player. Like he went to Yale for four years, played hockey there, and then played on Canada's national team, played pro hockey in Europe and in Japan. Uh, but he did engin- he studied engineering at, at Yale, which is a bit difficult. If you're, uh, if you're playing college hockey and you're taking engineering, you're busy. Uh, but because there's so many sort of basket weaving type cor- <laughs> courses you can take if you're a college athlete. But the thing was that at the end of his career, he came back to Canada. I had my wood business, but I had a guy running that wood business who was very good at what he did. And we had other people. So I really didn't want to sort of say, here's my son. He's not going to have this position. And so Mark initially got involved in marketing our software for sawmills. Okay, and so that involved traveling to Sweden, to the Baltic states, and and so interfacing with those people. We eventually we had both a, a web version. Uh, no, we had sort of a, a you know on your computer type version, and we looked at a web version. So he became familiar with some of the technology involved, and then uh, we said, you know what? Uh, he, he was then starting to do both the link and the uh, the, saw, the sawmill software thing, and we decided on the sawmill software end of it. We would keep it very low uh, in terms of uh, you know scale because otherwise you start scaling up, scaling up, hiring more people, and then if you don't get new business, all of a sudden you got these costs. So we just keep, that's business stays. We grow; it's co- it covers its cost, but we haven't expanded it because you, either you go for broke, go for broke, and hire more people with the possibility that that business might shrink. So we decided, and he ended up spending more and more of his time on uh, on Link. The other thing about Mark is both him, him, Mark and his brother, older brother, Eric, my wife and I, who speak a few languages, we were very keen that they should at the very least learn French. They were very resistant. They were resistant to anything their parents told them to do to start with. But in particular, the idea of learning languages, they resisted it. However, once Mark had played hockey in Italy, in Austria, in Switzerland, and then in Japan, he realized that, hey, languages are actually useful and they're fun. And so he became quite keen on languages. So his enthusiasm for languages didn't come from his parents. It came from his life experience living in places where his teammates spoke different languages. So one thing I really like about what you're doing with Link is you're tackling a very big problem that's gotten worse and worse over time. And that's that 
the passion people have for reading has been diminishing because people are a lot easier distracted by by technology and by their iPad games and such. So like there's uh, a lack of people being driven to read like there used to be. But rather than grumble about that, Link has kind of uh, taken that head on. And like you said, the interface kind of resembles Netflix at its uh, at the moment because that is something that actually encourages people to interact with it. So you've embraced the fact that rather than being frustrated by it, people are easily distracted. So how can we uh, push that in a direction that's going to get them passionate about reading? How can we create an interface that is going to keep their attention? And uh, I'm, I'm very interested to hear what would your point of view be? Because you naturally are passionate about reading. I, ne- I would never have to pitch to you why it's good to read. But others, unfortunately, don't have that passion. And I'm sure you've seen that over the decades that children nowadays are less likely to read. So how do you feel about that? Yeah, definitely that's a problem. I think uh, attention span is, is getting shorter. There are far more distractions. But in fact, people do read a lot. I mean, they may be reading, uh, you know, chat messages or, or whatever, their Facebook page. I mean, people do write copy. People do write. People do read. I think it's unfortunate that people are less inclined to read a long book. I've always felt that that the first sort of big milestone for me in learning any language is when I can actually read a book, a whole book, cover to cover, and not on iPad, not using Link, but paper book. But it takes that's that's when you're flying. You, you've taken the training wheels off, right? So uh, I have to be quite good in a language in order to be able to read a book without the the, the sort of crutches of link. Because on link, I, there's so many things that help me get through that text. I can go sentence by sentence. I can listen to it. I can look words up. I can. There's so many different things that help me read. So my eventual goal, like I cannot read an Arabic book, a paper book. Yeah, I mean, I can struggle, but it's a struggle. Whereas if I do it on my iPad, I can hear the word, I can look it up. It's just so much easier. So I tend to do what's easiest. Uh, But eventually I'd like to be able to get on a plane as I can now do in so many different languages and have a paper book with me and just read it. So that's kind of the goal. The iPad or computer or iPhone is a sort of can be a step towards that sort of reading independence. And there are a number of things that are, there's negative and positive. The negative is that you're easily distracted. You're, uh, you're going through a lesson. Oh, gee, I'll check my Twitter feed or I'll check my email or whatever. So that's a negative. On the positive side, uh, at least at, at Link, everything we have there has audio. And normally what leads me into reading is listening. So I listen, for example, I get on first thing in the morning, I listen to my uh, Persian podcast, Radio Fardo. And there's so much there that I don't understand when I listen. I, I, I get enough of it to be curious, uh, not enough to really understand it. And I think a lot of people in their language learning are at that stage where they kind of understand it, but they don't really understand it. It's still very fuzzy. So then I will go and grab the MP3 file of that uh, podcast, put it on Happy Scribe, which is an automatic transcription service. Then I'll get a transcript. I import the transcript into Link, and then I go through and I read it. So I am reading things that I have already listened to. So it's the listening that triggers the reading. 
So, uh, yes, people are less inclined to read, although, you know, a lot of people do read. I mean, I think there's still, I mean, books do sell. Uh, but, and uh, nowadays we have audiobooks, and, and especially if the language is not your own, uh, I think audiobooks combined with ebooks is a tremendous way to, to listen, to read, and to learn. When you are not yet at the stage where you can pick up a paper book and 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 read it and understand it, or conversely, a lot of people will not understand an audiobook in their target language. I, many people may have an easier time reading in their target language than listening. But to me, the two go hand in hand uh, as a part of sort of language learning. If you can combine listening and reading, your brain is just getting used to the language that much more quickly. But while Link started out originally as kind of a listening and reading tool, you have been integrating lots of other ways to use Link, including connecting it to like YouTube and, and Netflix. So how does that work and fit into? Okay, well, it's, it's really an extension of the same. We always had tutors at Link. And, uh, you know, and we even had group lessons and I can remember teaching English to four people. And, and one of them was a Chinese guy in Switzerland who was sitting on the toilet and he flushed the toilet in the middle of our class. And we all heard the toilet flush. But so there always was that aspect of, of speaking as well. But what we have discovered is that uh, as people are, you know, YouTube is, a, is, is an amazing s source of information. Uh, my wife, uh, you know, watches things on making sourdough bread, piano lessons, golf swing, you name it. There's so much stuff on YouTube. And uh, if there are if there are subtitles in the target language, in the language of the video, then we just we figured out that we can have a browser extension. Initially, our browser extension worked for newspaper articles or magazine articles or things that you would find on the web. But I don't understand the technology, but the programmers set it up in such a way that the browser extension now brings in the video. You can watch the video. You can read the subtitles as a lesson. You can take the audio away and listen to it in your car. So we were able then to incorporate YouTube and uh, as a source, as a lesson source. With Netflix, they don't allow us to grab the audio. So all you can grab off Netflix is the dialogue. So, I mean, that's just the way it is. So, uh, yeah, we are trying to expand the ways in which podcasts, YouTube, Netflix, all this external, this abundance of language learning content, you know, and, and it kind of reminds me, I bought a book on, say, you know, media Arabic. All right. So uh, learning the technology or at least the uh, uh, term terminology that's used in in you know news programs in Arabic. So I buy this book because I'm a sucker for buying books and all their lessons are from like 2014 because they have to print that book. And once the book is printed, it's 2014. So all the news uh, events that they're covering are 2014. That's completely unnecessary today because you can bring it in from now. And you can cover today's events, which is much better because we like new things. We like current things. And, and, and also the news events of today, whatever, Ukraine war, uh, journalist who was shot in, in Palestine. These are events that we're familiar with. And anytime you're familiar with the subject matter, it's a lot easier to, to learn language from content that you're familiar with. So I just think this, uh, this whole ability to bring in from this wealth of language content to bring it into link, all the functionality works, uh, you know, it, it's, it's powerful because when you get started, yeah, we've got our static mini stories and get start material with a lot of repetition, but eventually you, you got to jump in the deep end 
where, uh, you know, word frequency is much lower. A lot of the keywords are not high frequency words and you just got to expose yourself to enough of it. And if you're interested, then you will. And eventually at the end of it all, you become familiar with the language. So it's, it's something you've been working on for a very long time. And it's why Link is already at its 5.0 stage that you very recently uh, launched. So what are the, uh, the advances that you've been most excited about? And like, if you compared it to the link of long ago, what would be the bigger differences that stand out? Well, I, I think the interface is, is much easier. It's easier now to import content, uh, which is very important because more and more people want to import content, things of interest to them. Uh, the library itself, as you say, looks more like Netflix, which is people are used to that interface. It's the same interface on Spotify. It's the same interface on so many different, we got to be doing the same as other people are doing. So the, the way we handle content, we've improved a lot of things behind the scenes, like the search is much more accurate. If you search for something on history with a Brazilian accent in Portuguese, you're more likely to find it than was the case before. Uh, we've also, um, you know, we have various sort of uh, ways of trying to encourage people, keeping track of their activity. My firm belief is that in language instruction, we should measure people's activity level. Don't try to measure how well they're doing. Some will do better in some things than other things. It doesn't matter. If they are active, they will improve. So we measure the activity level. But before we had sort of separate measurements and now we combine them. So if you're listening, if you're creating links, in other words, saving words, if you're reading more, whatever you're doing is all adding up to the same, what we call coins. So that you get more, more of a sense of how ac active you are, which is good. Um, yeah, so easier, better, more natural interface, easier importing. Uh, you know, we got things like more of when we go through a lesson in, in, in sentence mode, uh, we have better time stamping now, and you can even adjust the time stamping so that you can get the audio for that individual sentence. Um, just the way we link to, uh, YouTube, uh, content so that you can actually look at the video in your lesson. Uh, I have this Jordanian cartoon series that I follow and it's phenomenal, really. It's like the Flintstones in, in Jordanian Arabic. And so I watch it and the, the subtitles are in English and Arabic. And then I go through it sentence by sentence in Arabic and I can listen to the audio bite for each individual sentence. So th those are just some of the things that uh, are accessible now that weren't accessible before. I'm sure I've forgotten a lot of things, but uh, I, I just find it more pleasant. It's very important to make it a learning environment that's pleasant. It's got to be pleasant. So I know you mentioned the TV show that you watch through Link, but I'm curious to know if for you who... Like as someone who's been using the app since its conception, essentially, how much the way you personally use Link has changed with all of the new features and changes that have happened within the app itself? Well, I, I think uh, I find that I'm uh, using more YouTube, like YouTube is a big one. YouTube is a big one. There's just so much stuff on YouTube. And especially since we're able to capture both the audio and uh, the text there, I find myself using more material from YouTube. Um, it's just easier. The, the fundamental activity is still listening and reading. Uh, I, uh, in Persian, I, I sort of a couple of times a week, I'll talk to a tutor. Uh, that hasn't changed. I think fundamentally the way I learn hasn't changed, but it's become easier, more powerful. 
better access to content. Content is so important. Uh, in some languages, there's an abundance of content. Persian and Arabic, not so. So it's, it really helps to have the connection to, say, YouTube resources. Um, or in the case of Persian, again, I've paid someone in Iran to create uh, you know, content on uh, Iranian food, Iranian history, and stuff like that. Because in some languages, there just isn't a lot of content. So, uh, but in the more popular languages, uh, accessing, uh, you know, Netflix, YouTube, uh, those are things that I'm doing a lot more now of than I was way back when I would listen to, you know, audiobooks of 19th century literature, because that's about all I could get. So you mentioned earlier that uh, there are kind of parallels between growing a business and learning a language. And uh, you mentioned one of them was, of course, perseverance, that you keep at it in the long run and you'll start to see the results. Uh, would there be other ones that you can think of uh, in terms of challenges that uh, could potentially knock somebody off track, both with how you've grown Link that you see in parallel for people learning languages? First of all, you have to believe in what you're doing. That's true in business. And that's true in language learning. If you don't believe you're going to get to the top of the mountain, like imagine climbing a mountain and you do not think you'll reach the top of the mountain. Well, you're going to give up. So, you know, you have to believe in what you're doing. Uh, I think in business, I don't think business is very complicated. You have to be sincere. You have to do what you say you're going to do. Uh, you have to give before you get. And language learning is kind of like that. You have to put in a lot before you get back that feeling of success or achievement. Because for a long time, the initial stage is, is kind of rewarding because in the initial stage, you go from zero, from nothing to be able to being able to say a few things. So you, wow, look at me. I can say, hello, how are you in Mongolian? But it's actually a long road. And uh, so to sort of sustain yourself in that long, long road, as is the case with business, I don't think there are many businesses that start up and immediately make a fortune. Uh, I think, in fact, a majority of businesses fail. Uh, and then maybe many of them fail because they don't stay with it. So um, I think you got to stay with it and uh, recognize that it, it takes a long time. But if you believe in what you're doing and the other thing is if you can have fun with it, you know, even a business, if it's put putting along and maybe barely keeping its nose above water, but you feel you're doing something useful, worthwhile, you enjoy doing it, that'll keep you going for quite a long time. If you're doing something that you don't like doing, you don't like interacting with your customers, you don't like any of the stuff you're doing, you're not going to stay with it unless, unless you make so much money that you'll put up with all the other aggravation. Uh, and language learning is a bit like that. If you're having to overcome a lot of aggravation and frustration, maybe because you set unrealistic targets for yourself or you allow people to criticize you uh, when you're at a level where you aren't doing very well with the language, you know you're not doing very well with the language, you hope to get better, but you're still happy with what you've achieved. So I think it's important to be, to pat yourself on the back, confident in what you're doing, Try to enjoy it and just stay with it. And I think that's true for both uh, business and language learning or any human endeavor for that. So you talked about belief a moment ago and in a different kind of look at belief, um, 
What is something that you believed when you first kind of started learning all of these languages that you have found is no longer true today or that you don't necessarily believe? Yeah, that's that's a good question. Uh, I always believed in the importance of intense learning because that was my experience with Chinese. I did Chinese in one year. Other people did it in two years because I was constantly listening and reading constantly scouring the bookstores in Hong Kong to find readers with, with glossaries. Cause I don't want to use a dictionary in Chinese. It's just impossible. So intensity. I remember that I had the, the sort of the impression then, I think I wrote it down the more intense. In other words, if you can learn a language in six months, instead of one year, if you put that much more effort into it, your progression will be geometrically faster. So intensity is good. And I still believe that. Um, one of the things that started me on the link was something I read on the internet about the importance of repetitive listening. And I still believe in that, at least in the initial stages. So repetitive listening to simple material with a lot of repetition, like our mini stories, a lot of beginner books that the, the, the vocabulary doesn't repeat. So you're at the airport in chapter one, you're at a restaurant in chapter two, you're at the doctor's office in chapter three, and the vocabulary doesn't repeat. So you have to have stuff that repeats in the initial stage. So that really hasn't changed much. I think maybe one area is Stephen Krashen with compelling input. You know, it's a comprehensible input. It's not possible to start with compelling, comprehensible input because nothing is comprehensible. You have to start with content that's perhaps not that compelling with a lot of repetition. And you progress towards comprehensible and compelling input. As your ability in the language improves, you're able to access. So, so basically you're enticed by the prospect of eventually being able to watch series in Turkish on Netflix. Uh, that would then be compelling input, but there's a bit of a path to get there. And I think that's where I think the comprehensible input theory is good, but it's a bit of a goal, but you don't start with that. You start actually slogging a bit. Fortunately, our motivation is usually highest at the beginning and starts to flag uh, as we reach the plateau. And that's where you sort of kind of want to move yourself more towards that compelling input. Otherwise you'll run out of gas. So you were saying earlier that ultimately your goal is actually to step away from link and to be able to just read a book, like, like you said, on a plane. So like, it, the temptation, though, because like you said, it is easier to just be using your smart device and know that you can click on any word and you'll be presented with the translation. So if somebody is tempted by an idea of perfectionism, which is holding them back from feeling like they may never be ready to just sit down and read the book because they're never going to know every single word in the language... Um, how can someone push through that perfectionism if they're using a tool like Link and they have reached the stage where they're starting to understand the majority of what they're reading and they may be ready to start using books? How can they dip their toes in the water, so to speak? That's uh, a very good question. You just have to believe. Okay, so if it's written in the Latin alphabet, I can read a Polish book full of words I don't know and I'm enjoying it, and it's very good for me. I, I believe reading a book without the help, without the training wheels, is very good for you. I'm not yet at that stage in my Arabic and Persian, but certainly in, in Russian, Ukrainian, Polish, I am at that stage, and I will do it. It's very good for me. But you always have to. So I, I'm sure, Benny you'll agree, and Shannon, you'll agree with me that a good language learner accepts uncertainty. 
If you're not willing to deal with uncertainty, you're better not to try to learn a language. And so if I wander around Vancouver, which is and very often the case, the store clerk is Iranian. I'm going to hit them with whatever I can say in Iranian. And uh, they'll come at me and I'll either understand them or I'll ask them to repeat or whatever. But I'm going to expose myself to that situation, even though and, and the Iranians, by the way, they love you when you speak their language. There are people who are a little more suspicious. How come you speak my language? What's wrong here? But the Iranians, they're just all over you. So it's a wonderful, you know, it's very rewarding to do that. But you have to be willing to do that. And the same with books. Take a book on a flight. And I've done this in so many languages, German, Spanish, where I had 5 10% unknown words on the page. And I'll fight my way through the book, underlining words that I know I'll never look up. But and at the end of that flight, you have done something. You know, if you've read through 150 pages struggling like that, you have done a lot, even though you didn't look up the words in terms of that mysterious process of how the brain gets used to the language. You've done something very powerful, more powerful than reading on link where you're distracting yourself all the time by looking up words. So you just have to believe that it's a good thing to do and do something. And once you've done it, uh, even though the, you understood 70% and some of it you misunderstood, doesn't matter. Recognize that you, you've reached a milestone. When you turn the last page of that book, full of underlined words, 30% misunderstood. Nevertheless, you've, you've crossed a milestone. And I'm sure you get lots of motivation in other ways for continuing your work at Link. Because I know when I think about um, making these podcasts and writing on my blog, the uh, stories that stand out most for me are when people reach out to me to say, Benny, you inspired me. And thanks to you, I moved to the country and I ultimately met my wife and I have children. And, and it just kind of blows my mind that, that I could have made such a big influence. And I, I would love to hear some of the stories of what people have written to you about what Link has done for their life. I mean, there are a lot of them. A uh, Polish person who learned it German and got a job in Germany. But perhaps the most recent one, I recently got a letter, an email from a Ukrainian refugee. And, you know, we've made link available free of charge to all Ukrainians, whether in the country or refugees in other countries where many of them are going to have to learn the language. In fact, we had several. And uh, but this one said, you know, I've tried other apps and blah, blah, blah. And, and thank you very much. And it made such a difference. I can't remember all the words, but obviously very appreciative. Another person said, yeah, we're in Hungary. There are no resources for Hungarian. Thank you for letting us use Link free of charge. My husband is learning Hungarian. Recently, we're getting a lot of feedback from, from Ukrainians because we've, we've basically, and we've had almost 10,000 Ukrainians sign up to use the app free of charge. But over the years, and, and much like you, it's not just Link. It's also my YouTube channel. Uh, and I think all three of us recognize that it's not as difficult as people think that basically our destiny is in our own hands. If we want to learn, we can learn. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what your native language is. We can all learn. Some may learn faster. Obviously, if you're learning a language that's similar to a language you already know or similar to your native language, you're going to learn more quickly. But we can all learn. And it doesn't matter, you know, tortoise and hare, who's moving faster, who's moving more slowly. It doesn't really matter. We can all learn. And, and to the extent, and, and don't make it overly complicated and don't beat yourself up for mistakes. And, and these are some of the messages that I think we all put out there. And many people who have been sort of beaten up by the language instruction system at school, they, uh, they're heartened by that message. 
And then they go out and discover that, yeah, they can learn. And then we get, we get the pleasant feedback that we get. This is a good point to wrap things up. Thank you very much for joining us a second time, Steve. I enjoyed it. I'm happy to do it anytime. I'm sorry that I forgot the previous and getting old here. I don't know what happened that don't day, worry, but I completely, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so great okay. to have you on. Thank you so much. And Okay, well, thank you. I enjoyed seeing you both. You too. Yeah, we'll wish everybody listening a very happy language learning. Happy language learning. So at the end of each episode, Benny and I like to go over something that we took away from our discussion with our guest. And we try to make this something that you can apply into your own language learning over this next week. So Benny, would you like to start? Yeah. So I like the analogy he was giving with uh, the running a business uh, compared to language learning, that one of the crucial aspects is you have to truly believe in what you're doing. And I know that's been my experience in in growing a business in uh, many aspects of my life, but absolutely in language learning, I have to truly be invested in it. I have to uh, know what my goals are and I have to keep them in mind all of the time. So believing in what you're doing is uh, is going to separate the successful and the unsuccessful language learners. What about you? I would have to say it was the point that he made about how we just need to do it because it's good for us. And I think that's something that we often forget because I feel like there's been a shift lately where with language learning, it's all about do the fun things. So link is fun for me, at least I love reading, um, watching your favorite TV show, playing games in the language. And so we've shift a lot of our focus from doing the hard work to doing the fun work. And sometimes we just need to bring the hard work back in, especially for those who are stuck in the intermediate plateau, um, you know, going in and just really drilling down into the things that you're struggling with rather than ignoring them, which is what often tends to happen. And, you know, it's like, well, I don't really know if I want to do that because then I'll learn, lose my motivation to learn languages. But when you think about it in our lives, there are all sorts of things that we already do this with and we hardly complain. It's like, Brushing our teeth isn't fun, but if you don't brush your teeth, you're going to get cavities, which is far less fun. Um, you know, if you don't eat vegetables, uh, you're, you know, vegetables aren't necessarily super fun to eat all the time. Like who likes to eat raw broccoli? I do, but that's beyond the point. Um, you know, it, it's not like the most tasty thing as opposed to like a cheese, grilled cheese or like, you know, pizza. Those are way more fun to eat than broccoli, but you still eat your vegetables because you know, you need all the vitamins and minerals and everything that's in them. So we do lots of things in other parts of our life that aren't necessarily fun, but that, but we still do fun things. So we still eat the pizza on occasion, you know, and that can be the fun thing you do in languages, but you still, you'll be glad you did the hard work after. So this week, do something that you don't necessarily want to do, but you'll be glad to have done it once it's done. So that's my takeaway for this week. All right. So once again, if you enjoy this episode of the podcast and you would like to listen to the long form version, you can do so over at languagehacking.com slash Patreon. And we always love hearing from you. So if you could let us know what you think over at languagehacking.com slash review, we would love to hear what you love us doing, what you think we could do more of, what we can do better so we can continue to make this podcast more enjoyable for you. And until the next time, happy language learning. Happy language learning. 
We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Language Hacking Podcast. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podcast Addict, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you found this episode valuable and want to help us out, please leave a review at languagehacking.com forward slash review. The Language Hacking Podcast is presented by Benny Lewis, Shannon Kennedy, and Elizabeth Bruckner, and produced by Katie Pascoe, with special thanks to the Fluent in Three Months team. Theme music was written and performed by Shannon Kennedy. Find the show notes at languagehacking.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening and happy language learning.